Hello and welcome to another edition of According to the Scriptures. My name is Mike Crosby. I'm minister of the South Garland Church of Christ located in Garland, Texas. And what I'd like to do is just remind you, as in every program, we come straight from the Scriptures. Here's what Paul said to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse number 1. He said that he preaches the gospel. And the reason why he preaches the gospel, verse 2, is that if they keep in remembrance, or if they keep in memory those things that he preaches about the gospel, they will be saved. Specifically in verses 3 and 4, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Which is why everything that you will hear and that we will say on this broadcast will be according to the scriptures. Our topic at this time will be how to identify the New Testament church. How to identify the New Testament church. And we'll be coming from a very popular passage, Matthew chapter 16 and the verses 18. And it reads, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Joining me today for this topic, again, are two very fine warriors for the cause of Christ. Let me start by introducing Brother Rufus Johnson, who is the minister of the North DeSoto Church of Christ located in DeSoto, Texas. Brother Johnson, always a pleasure to have you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Good sir. And also joining us is Brother Loyal Williams Jr. I want to make sure I get it right because he has a son who also preaches and he's a very fine preacher as well. But this is the second, or this is Jr., who is one of the elders of the Freetown Road Church of Christ located in Grand Prairie, Texas. Brother Williams, it's always an honor to have you with us, sir. I'm glad to be here, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, again, there's a lot of controversy because when we're talking about the church, uh, a lot of folks think that the church is anyone that simply believes in Jesus, calls on Jesus' name, but there is a way to identify truly what the New Testament church is. Now, when we say church, we talk about it in really two senses. We talk about it in the, in the universal sense, such that everyone that is truly a member of the body of Christ, no matter where they're located, is a part of the church. They are in the kingdom of Christ. And think of it like, um, like a McDonald's. There are several McDonald's all over the world, but they're all part of that same franchise. You can get the same menu in every McDonald's, and that's the way it should be in every one of the congregations. In this case, the local congregation. Every local congregation preaches the same teachings of Jesus Christ. So let me start with uh, you, Brother Williams. Uh, in this passage in Matthew 16, 18, uh, give us a little bit about who's saying it and because he says I will build my church so who is the church's founder Jesus is the founder of the church of course uh, he uh, was approach, approaching his apostles his disciples whom he called apostles uh, and asking them uh, whom people were identifying him as. Mm -hmm. Some say he was uh, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of the prophets. Yes, sir. And, uh, of course, uh, Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon this confession, Jesus said, uh, I will build my church. Uh, I don't like getting into 
Greek study and all of that. I'm right. a Greek scholar. Uh, I barely speak English, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm more familiar with uh, black English than I am anything else. But that, that's neither here nor there. Watch out now. But uh, <laughs> but when Jesus said, "I'll build my church," and I grew up understanding the church, mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, the church housed those people who have obeyed the gospel of Christ. Yes, sir. I knew this by experience because we had gospel meetings, we had preachers to come in and preach, people were baptized, and they assembled with the church. Yes, sir. And that's the way it was in Acts chapter 2 when uh, Peter preached that first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. When people asked him, men and brothers, what shall we do? He told them to repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he continued, and then they, on that day there were added unto the twelve three thousand souls. And God continued to uh, save and the saved were added to pardon me, the church. So what you're saying is, if you're saved, you're in the church. And if you're in the church, you're saved. We cannot separate the saved from the church. Neither can we separate the church from the saved. Amen. They are one and the same. Amen. Uh, Brother Johnson, I, I, I read in Colossians chapter 1.18 that uh, speaking of Christ, it says he is the head of the body, the church. So if the church is his body, what does it mean that Christ is its head? Well, what it means is in, a, in, a, in identifying Christ as the head of the church in Colossians 1.18, he's the head of the body, the church, uh, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence or that he might have uh, the first place. Yes, sir. In other words, Christ Jesus is the one who has... He's the boss. He's the authority. He has all authority. That's what he declared in Matthew 28. He says, all authority, mm -hmm. all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. And one of the things we have to learn, first of all, who is the authority, who has the authority, or who is the boss, so to speak, you can put it in those terms. Absolutely. So Christ is the one who calls all of the shots. He's the one who gives us the do's and the don'ts, and that's why the Bible says, in Colossians 3, verse 17. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do, Amen. in word or deed, do all in the name or that term name is by the authority. Yes, sir. And so he already said, I have all authority. Colossians three seventeen says, whatever you do, do in his name and by his authority, giving thanks to God the Father by him. Amen. And so Christ Jesus is the, he's the, he's the founder and he's the head. He's the founder because... Uh, he had no sin. Amen. He was absolutely pure. And in his blood, he purchased the church. Yes, sir. Uh, Acts 20, verses 28. Yes, sir. That makes him the very, very viable CEO or the authority or the head of the founder. And in that also makes him the head and the builder. So he says the body of the church. So the church is the body and the body is the church. Okay. So putting together what you two gentlemen have said, Safe folk are in it. 
and Christ calls the shots. No other individual has any right to make any law or any tradition or any practice that Christ has not said he's authorized. Is that correct? According to the scripture, that's absolutely correct. Now, let me ask one more thing now. If when I address you, I call you Brother Johnson or I call you Brother Williams, I address you by your name. And when I meet your wives, I say, Sister Williams. Now, that she, did, she wasn't born with the last name Williams. Or I say, Sister Johnson. She wasn't born with the last name Johnson. But when she became yours, she took your name. So can we also identify the New Testament church by the name that it wears? Yes. Brother Williams? Uh, we, that's kind of an elementary way of putting it. Uh, the, there, there is a greater spiritual significance involved here. Uh, going back to Matthew chapter 28, uh, when Jesus said, All authority. Yes, sir. All authority in heaven and in earth yes, is sir. given unto him. Amen. And, and that authority is not just limited to the group of people, those group of people whom he, who are saved by the gospel. That's the whole universe. He has authority over everything. Yes, sir. Now, with that in mind, uh, we won't be looking at him as just a, a, a ruler, uh, a, a, a person who gives us a name we must wear. We, we understand him to be a, 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 a being sent from God to redeem uh, the earth. And those who are saved are his followers. And his followers uh, do not make laws. Uh, they do not make uh, regulations and established traditions that take away from that authority. Amen. Now, when we speak of the Church of Christ, uh, it's not, we're not giving a name to ourselves. Amen. Uh, we are identifying ourselves as being of Christ. Yes, sir. Because who, they, they, they who have been baptized are in Christ, yes, sir. Uh, according to the scripture. Yes, sir. And therefore, uh, we identify ourselves as being Christ. Amen. Brother Johnson, do you want to add any, any to that? Or do you have any additional thoughts on, along those lines? Because believe me, i got well, plenty. Yeah, well, I would just say that uh, as far as we've gone so far in uh, Christ being the founder and him being the head and the builder and him having the first place, once we establish that he is the authority and in identifying the New Testament church, I think sometimes we might, by giving a lot of passages and quoting a lot of scripture, we might make it complicated. I think sometimes if we were to uh, make sure that it's simple enough for uh, maybe a, a young child could understand, mm -hmm. and, and I think there's a real formula to it, and we'll probably cover some of this a little later, but when I think about identifying the lost church that's described in the Bible, according to the scripture, I think about uh, how did it start, where did it start, uh, when did it start, and who started it. Yes, sir. You know, it's kind of like the four W's. Yes, sir. 
And I, I believe almost anybody can understand that. When I think about, okay, so how did it start? Okay, it started in the mind of God. Yes, sir. Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14. The lost church originated in the mind of God. Yes, sir. God the Father gave it to his son. Yes, sir. And it's an everlasting kingdom. Yes, sir. And if, if I were to ask, okay, so where did it start? It, it started in the city of Jerusalem. Zechariah 1.16, the Old Testament said, I will return to Jerusalem. Yes, sir. For my house shall be built in it. So if I was an individual looking for something to affiliate myself with, if I was trying to identify the New Testament church, I would say, did the church that I'm affiliated with, did it start in the mind of God? If it did not, I already put an X on it. Amen. I would say, did it start in Jerusalem? If not, I put an X by it. Absolutely. Uh, did it start, and we'll talk about this, I, I'm pretty sure a little later on, but did it start on the first Pentecost? Because Christ was resurrected. Absolutely. He says in Matthew 16, the passage we started with, I will build my church, mm -hmm. which means it's not built yet, but he was resurrected to purchase and to build his church and establish it mm -hmm. on the first Pentecost after the resurrection of the Son of God. Yes, sir. I would say if I was looking for to identify the New Testament church, if the one I was looking at did not have its beginning on the first Pentecost mm -hmm. after the resurrection of the Son of God, I'd already know it can't be the New Testament church. Amen. Matthew 16 and 18, if the church I was looking at or affiliated with was not started by Jesus Christ, if he was not the head, if he was not the founder, yes, if he was not the husband, the lover, the nourisher, I'd already know it couldn't be the New Testament church. And, and th th that's a barometer that people could use amen. to make it very simple. They wouldn't have to know any Greek. They wouldn't have to know how to quote a lot of scripture. They could just say, how did it start? When did it start? Where did it start? Who started it? Amen. Now, let me, let me also give, give something very simple. I know what an animal looks like by its characteristics. For example, uh, if it has wings and feathers and flies, I know it's a bird. All right? If it, um, if it has no arms, no legs, it's just all one long unibody and it hisses, it's probably a snake. I know it's a snake. <laughs> So just by looking at these, there are some distinctions that says it's this and it cannot be that. I believe the same is true of the Lord's body. I mean, uh, if there's so, let's look at some, some uh, one of the most defined distinctions of Christ's body is how it's organized. There is an organizational structure in his church. This didn't come about by man. This came about by the commandments of God. So if I'm looking at, say, for example, Philippians 1 and 1, if you don't mind, uh, let's, let's go ahead and turn there. And you gentlemen, feel free to, um, to comment as you, as you need. But Paul and Timotheus, or Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, well, first off, you said they had to be in Christ Jesus in order to be in his church. So he's actually writing to the church. And it says, and by the way, I guess I don't really need to say this, but as far as the Bible is concerned, saints are living people. You don't have to die first in order to become a saint because in the Bible they wrote letters to saints. So to the saints who are in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with bishops and deacons. So there are two distinct offices given among the saints. 
There is an organization structure there. So, uh, brethren, you care to elucidate on any one of these points about saints or bishops or deacons? What, what is he talking about here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1? Well, very clearly, God gives an identifying mark and a distinguishing mark of the Lord's church. And by his authority, he tells us what, he, what his expectations are. Yes, sir. In other words, he calls the shots. Uh, and so we understand that the church may not uh, have the elders and deacons at its first uh, inception, but that certainly should be what they should be striving for. And a church can be scripturally unorganized. Yes, sir. And it's better, much better for a church to be scripturally unorganized than unscripturally organized. organized. Yes. Amen. But God wants, uh, Paul tells Titus, uh, set in order those things that are lacking, referring to the same thing that there might be elders and deacons and not uh, in a plurality of them, by the way. Absolutely. And not just one lording over or being over a presiding elder over a, a, a bunch. Yes, sir. Because that becomes uh, not according to uh, the scriptures. And the saints, like you said, they are they are living people. It's pretty clear that uh, they wrote letters to them. It's people that you fellowship with, worship with, pray with, pray for, visit, uh, help, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Ephesians 6, verses 18. Yes, sir. And the bishops are the elders. They are the overseers. They are the shepherds. They are the pastors. They're the ones who look out for and who care for the flock. Now you now you mentioned shepherd and you mentioned uh, bishop as being one and the same and I'm in total, total agreement with you. Um, but let me let me take us to this passage here, First Timothy chapter three, verse number one. Mm -hmm. This is a true saying: If a man desire the office of a bishop, mm -hmm. he desireth a good work. So what happens if I walk into a a place uh, that claims to be the church and they have women bishops? Well, it says if a man mm -hmm. desire the office. Right, right. It, it's pretty clear when we look at 1 Timothy 2, verses 8, putting in the context here, that what God ordained was that males be the one in the leadership role. Mm -hmm. uh, 1 Timothy 2, 8, it says, I will therefore that men mm -hmm. everywhere, mm -hmm. and uh, not to get too deep in the Greek, but that word men there is a word, it is unair. It is a word that is a, the exclusive word for male. Yes, sir. And so it's pretty clear what God's disposition is. Yes. And God's disposition is the same as Christ. And mm -hmm. Christ as the apostles and the apostles uh, who wrote it down, inspired writers according to the scriptures, had the same disposition as God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere lifting up the holy hands. It was God's. And that, that is the order that God Almighty has set from the very beginning. It's very clear that uh, for elders, for the preaching, for oh, and the public, or the, co or the uh, combined assemblies, uh, God has ordained and set that men take the leadership role. Amen. Uh, Brother, Brother Williams, I'm going to ask you to explain uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 in just a moment. But uh, it's, it's interesting you say that, uh, Brother Johnson, because when I went to, um, to Nairobi, Kenya, and I was on a lectureship series there, and we were debating uh, all sorts of other denominations, uh, when it became my turn to speak, and I, and I mentioned that 
God called men to take the leadership role in his body, all the women that were in attendance stood up and applauded. <laughs> now that <laughs> now that should that's, that, that's that's very interesting because what I'm finding is that there are so many women who are called to take a role that they were not called to take or God did not ordain them to take and they can even read it in God's word themselves that this should be the man because uh, Brother Williams uh, verse number two says what uh, in First Timothy chapter three uh, a bishop man must be blameless. Mm-hmm. The husband of one wife, mm -hmm. vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. So what are we finding out from that verse? Well, uh, like you said, uh, and Rufus uh, Johnson said uh, in First Timothy chapter 2, uh, it does not mean that we uh, uh, are chauvinistic uh, in our approach to spirituality. Uh, we're just looking at the roles as they are defined Amen. according to the scripture. It does not lessen the import of the woman uh, uh, in the church. Amen. Uh, but Paul made a distinction there, and I'd like to go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, he said Adam was first formed, then Eve. Amen. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Yes, sir. And then he says something interesting. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing uh, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, Paul is saying that every woman must bear children right. in order to be saved. But I think what he is saying is that uh, the woman has a very special role. Mm -hmm. uh, and her role... Uh, uh, with God is in procreation. Mm -hmm. You know, God created man, and man cannot procreate himself. Not by himself. Uh, and and the woman uh, has a very special place. She is a partner with God in procreation. Yes, sir. Keeping the, uh, the creative process going. And therefore, that's her role. Yes, sir. Now, if she forfeit that and say, I'm going to do what men are supposed, the role that God has given the men to be elders in the church, I think she's going to have some serious consequences Amen. Uh, when she goes before God. Amen. Also, staying there in, in 1 Timothy 3, we talked about the elders, but just quickly before we move on to the final point, which is going to be identifying what New Testament church worship looks like, verses uh, 10, uh, excuse me, Yes, uh, 10 and 11, talking about deacons. It says, um, let them use the office of deacon being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Verse 12, let the deacons be husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. We're talking about men who know how to run a family. So if they can run the, their own family well, according to God's words, surely they should be able to uh, take the lead in God's house according to as, as God has given them uh, scripture. Uh, so just briefly in the few moments that we have left, if I walk into a building and there are, place, and there are people claiming to worship God, what should their worship look like? 
what should they be doing? How, should, how can I tell by when I walk in if this is the Lord's house? There should be some identification, some distinction in their worship. Well, I would say, first of all, um, I'm, I'm making an assumption that if you were walking in, it would be the first day of the week. Absolutely. Uh, and I say that because uh, first day of the week becomes kind of an issue with some, and there's some discussion about it, but on the first day of the week, yes, sir. you would expect to see them uh, in with the memorial feast of the Lord's Supper, Amen. Uh, the fruit of the vine, the unleavened bread, in memory of our Lord's death, burial, resurrection. So it wouldn't be bread and water as many of them are doing today. No, it wouldn't be. God gives us again, we talked about him having the authority. He gives us the elements, just like in baptism, he said water. Yes, sir. Uh, in the Lord's Supper, he says fruit of the vine, unleavened bread. Yes, sir. Uh, so we can't go by, I can't call the shots. You know, I like barbecue and black-eyed <laughs> peas and ice cream, but I can't call those shots. God specifically gave us uh, the specificity that he wanted in his worship. Uh, you would expect to see them praising God with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. That's Ephesians 5.19, uh, yes sir. Ephesians 5.19 and teaching and admonishing one another, mm -hmm. Colossians 3, yes, sir. Uh, and making the melody in their hearts and not on some mechanical instrument Amen. Uh, of music. And I say mechanical because we do have an instrument, but yes, the sir. instrument is the heart. It's not a mechanical instrument. And we would expect to see giving and uh, teaching and praising God and teaching the Word according Amen. to the mandates of God Almighty and edifying and encouraging and uplifting each other and magnifying God. Amen. And when you said the first day of the week in the Lord's Supper, that's found in Acts 20 and 7. Acts 20 and verse Upon seven. the first day of the week when the disciples mm -hmm. came together to break mm -hmm. bread, that breaking of bread is actually the Lord's Supper. Right. Uh, Paul preached unto them, so the mm -hmm. word pre preaching has to right. continue, uh, ready and continue to speech until right. midnight. That may explain why some of us, and I'm not talking about you two, I'm talking about me, mm -hmm. maybe speak way too long from time to time but uh, uh, but uh, what I want to say in, then is this when we walk into a fellowship we're expecting to hear preaching yes. just from God's word according to the scripture as you alluded to earlier brother Williams if any man speak let him speak as the oracles of God our words are simply relegated to simply what God has said uh, so, gentlemen, let me stop now. We could go on, but our time has expired. Let me thank Brother Williams from the Freetown Road and the Church of Christ and Brother Johnson from the North DeSoto Church of Christ. It's truly been an honor being with you today. And I want to encourage you, no matter where you find yourself worshiping, make sure everything that's said and done is according to the Scriptures because as it was laid out very clearly, this is Christ's body, this is Christ's church, and in it, he is the head, he calls the shots, no man has the right to change what God has already said. No man can add to or take away from his word. My name is Mike Crosby. We invite you to continue to look forward to uh, being with us each and every time at this station, at this time, for this broadcast, according to the scriptures. May God bless you as we strive to carry on his word. Good night. We'd like to thank you for watching our broadcast today. If you would like copies of our materials, feel free to contact us at the number and email address at the bottom of your screen, and they can be sent to you at no charge. May God continue to bless us all as we walk our life according to the scriptures.